is how it ends. Laid low by an unseen illness, trapped in this medical prison with the weightiest of hitched ball and chain buffoons, praying for sweet release. You said it. I've clocked a lot of hospital time this year, but at least this time I have a buddy with me. If it weren't for this quarantine, I'd be a mile away by now. What'd they say it was that got us? I've been in and out like a rude finger gesture since I got here. Hot dogs. Hot dogs? Hot dogs. The silent killers. Turns out the dice commissary picked up an expired pack of ranks from Beta T90, and their lackluster heating and storing practices proved to be the perfect petri dish for extra-dimensional viral conquest. But the cold popsicle center is the best part of the dice dog. And now here we are. Sniffling, coughing, aching, leaking, and suffering as punishment for our culinary hubris. At least we have all these Warforged nurses to tend to us. Dirk, just go to sleep. I'd like to drift off calmly and wake up either in my own bed or in the eternal deep realm that carries my kin to the Evercore. Nurse! Nurse! Quick! I need a sponge bath. This sponge I found on the ground is covered in filth. Actually, nurse, if you wouldn't mind turning that Scritio screen onto EXPN. If the LUQ can't put me to sleep, nothing can. After a long and hard-fought battle, the Fallow Crown returns home with a sense of unease. In the wake of your victory over the Killbillies in the dice box, all of you were overcome with a sense of loss and dread. Wuxia is carefully adjusting all four of the belts that were won at the competition. <laughs> uh, at this point in time, wearing them more like one big corset than four individual belts. Of course. Lots of flesh and water dripping out between the open parts between them. He's going to turn to the party, arms raised a little uncomfortably because he can't really put them down by his side and say, Well, uh, victory drinks? Tavern? Hal looks uncomfortably at the water dripping out of you just to make sure that's not what you're suggesting drinking. <laughs> <laughs> victory drinks do sound good, but this is a victory for the Fallow Crown. We should have all the tines there. So... Perhaps we rendezvous with uh, Ayavos. I guess you're right. That sounds good to me. <sighs> I'm still disappointed that Lumber Jackson is just a persona. His name's Wyatt and he has a family. He's an accountant. <laughs> but the chest hair, it's like a carpet. <laughs> I just want to rub my face in it. Dreams and seafoam, they're only around for a short time. Was that chest hair not just glamour? Could have been. <laughs> no, the chest hair was real. When he turned back into Wyatt, it was still there. As you enter the apartment, high in the cylindrical tower of the hub, that sense of dread worsens. When Gaspar's keys hit the doorside table, screams tear through the silence. Oh, shit. Pen is off, running. Gaspar is loading a crossbow. Wuxia is wildly trying to grab at the spears on his back, but realizing the belts are uh, binding him more than he might like. Are the screams coming from inside the apartment? They are coming from Yavos's room. Okay. Yeah, I head that way too then. Pentecost slams the door open and you take in the scene. 
Your eyes are pulled first, as though by magnetism, to the child. A boy, blonde of hair, in simple, unadorned gray cloak, with a white robe beneath. His body is young, perhaps ten or twelve, but his eyes are much older, like antediluvian glaciers carving slow troughs through the earth's crust. They bore into you with a breed of terror that can only be summoned by those who face certain death. For wrapped around the throat of the child is a claw whose thumb protrudes from the ulnar side rather than the radial, as though a mirror image of a bestial hand. The beast that holds him is familiar. Tabaxi, perhaps? No. There is a profound darkness in this creature. The black slashes in its fur are abyssal, seeming to swallow the light. The whites, reds, and oranges of its fur are the blazing sun rise to set, scorching the plains of a foreign world. As it turns to you, expressionless, thunder in its throat, rumbling across the hunting ground, you see nothing in its eyes, lustrous glass with no love or life beneath. More than predator, this is a monster. The fear that grips you is insurmountable, but when you see the body of your friend, with a gaping wound in belly, head, and heart, the sheer terror of the prey abates, replaced with that of the battlefield. Roll for initiative. Woo! Inish! 20 and higher? <laughs> 15 and up? 19. 19. 10 to 15? Yo! Ushaw got a big dumpy 12. 5 to 10? I roll the Harathax initiative. I'm on 6. <laughs> so Falric has a 7. And the Rakshasa has a 9. Sorry, I should have gone in the right order. That was my bad. <laughs> <laughs> the chaos. <laughs> so first up we have Gaspar, then Pentecos, Wusha, Rakshasa, Falric, and Hal. The initiative curse lives on. Gaspar from behind the rest of the fallow crown is going to train the crossbow bolt at the Rakshasa first, then at the child, then back. What is going on here? Whoa! Whoa, God, no, please! I swear to God, no, it wasn't me! I didn't do anything! I didn't do anything! He did this to himself! He did this to himself! Stop, stop, please! And all you hear is that low, steady, rumbling roar coming from deep in the chest of the Rakshasa. Gaspar is going to prepare an action to shoot the child should he break free from the Rakshasa. Interesting. That brings us to Penn. Penn shows none of Gaspar's hesitation. Sensing the malevolent energy coming from the Rakshasa, she immediately reaches out with her golden arm and attempts to orify him. Ooh, beautiful. Hell yeah. How does that work? He must make a constitution saving throw. Okay. That is a 21. Ooh. It does not affect him. And then with Penn's bonus action, she immediately summons Zillos to hand. As your auric arm touches the body of this creature, you notice that the joints begin to stiffen and it almost seems to want to fall off. The sword of Zillos appears in Penny's good hand and the shield clatters to the ground. As the manifestation begins, it almost seems to falter for a second before it does, and then it sets into place. Next up is Wusha. Wusha, having arrived in the door a little bit later than both Gaspar and Penn, 
will look directly at the Rakshasa and start to yell out, Yavos, I'm coming! <laughs> he is going to... This is going to... Bear with me. Okay. He's going to cast Ensnaring Strike on himself and then try to full-on tackle the Rakshasa with the hopes that the kelp and the natural things that he calls to his aid will burst from his body rather than a weapon. Mm. Interesting. I'm totally okay with that. Sick. And tackling strike. In tackling strike. The tackle box. <laughs> I the love that. Oh, oh my oh fucking God. God. The tackle box. Yeah, I'm going to hit it with the tackle box. I love it. Okay. Sweet. And I'm going in for a grapple. So I got to make an athletics mm-hmm. as opposed to their athletics or acrobatics. Sounds good. Oh, feels good. 21 total. That is 20. You got him. Whoa. Wusha is going full, like running in and leaping as horizontally as possible to crash into him like an oncoming wave and try to wrap his body around him. At that point, the kelp is going to burst out of his ribs, his legs, at least any space it can find between the belts, and wrap around the Rakshasa, who has to make me a strength saving throw. Can you describe Ensnaring Strike for me? Is that an ability? Yes, it's a spell. Ah, beautiful. As soon as you come near it, as soon as the kelp begins to wrap around it, it begins to rot and fall away. Ooh. Ooh. You collide with him and you successfully grapple him, but your spell turns into nothing. Ash in the wind. All right. Sweet. That's my turn. After Wusha is the Rakshasa. Beautiful. You wrapped around his torso and chest, begin to feel a sense of unease and almost a sinking call of the void as your skin touches his fur. Until, that is, he takes a bite out of his own arm. As he does, blood like smoke rises from the wound and begins to spread. In an instant, the room is filled with a heavy red mist. I want you three, Gaspar, Wusha, and Pentecost, to roll me a charisma saving throw. Uh-oh. As he uses... Blood of the new moon. <laughs> suck back some tiger milk. <laughs> 19. I got a seven. Uh, 13. Beautiful. As soon as the mist touches your bodies, those things that connect you to your greater self, the magic of the undead, the phantasmal thread, gossamer, that surrounds you as a concept, Pentecost. And the call of the ocean, Farusha, fall away into the void, silent. Your bodies are as rag dolls, all except Pentecost. The strength which held you aloft kept you propped up and moved you as a normal person might move their own body, falls, gone. The two of you are suffering from paralysis. Pen, having barely succeeded, you automatically fail all strength and dexterity saving throws and attack rolls against you are made at an advantage for three turns. You've been hit with a powerful wave of anti-magic. Everything that is animating you is gone and all animated creatures who are plural, undead, or otherwise not of uh, normal mortal make are susceptible to total collapse. 
Each of you may make another attempted saving throw at the beginning of your turns. After the Rakshasa is Falric. Still frantic, still screaming. He turns to Hal. For God's sake, just hurt him. Just do anything you can. As soon as he's weaker, I can do something about this. Uh, if that's his turn, then Hal is next. Beautiful. You are aware of the fact that magic has gone from you. Okay. Does that mean, like, can't cast spells or use magic abilities? Or Correct. Anything under six doesn't work at all. Spell like abilities, magic items, etc. have a 50% fail chance. And it is immune to those effects. Okay. All right. Does that go for everyone? Uh, yes. How? Blood running cold from the site of the Rakshasa, who I don't think I've ever seen on this plane before, is going to focus on the eviscerated Iavos and actually run into the room and lay on hands. As you approach his body, I want you to roll me a perception. Sure check. thing. Quick point of order. Mm-hmm. Am I still on one hit point from the dice fight? No, you were instantly recovered. Okay. All right. Good. That's helpful. <laughs> What kind of check did you ask for? Perception. Uh, does a six make the check? It does not. <laughs> As you run and approach him, all you can see is what looks like blood spilling out from his belly, his heart, and his head. All right. Hal pumps 15 points of lay on hands into Iavos immediately. Marvelous. As you attempt to push the magic into him, I would like you to go ahead and roll me a D percentile. Oh, really? 25. That fails. Uh, The magic simply fizzles. All of the power that comes from your body just seems to disappear, as though you're no longer connected to the celestial origin of your own bloodline. Okay. Used up, though? No. Okay. All right. It simply fails. Fails to manifest. Pin. I I can't. I can't. I can't heal him. He's bleeding, and I can't. Ignore the. the, We can't hurt it. (laughs) You have to figure something out, Hal. I don't have healing spells. If we're back in initiative, Gaspar's turn is up. Gaspar is paralyzed by this red mist. I make a saving throw now? Yes, indeed. Cool. Um, That is a 12. That does not make the saving throw. All right, now play with me here just Mm -hmm. a little bit. Juice me up. I'm ragdolled. Yes. The magical feature of my race is to have my soul wisp inhabit a head. Okay. Since I have no control over that, uh, effectively incapacitated, um, it would make sense that I could no longer inhabit the Voltrap head. Which would mean that I would, I would begin dismounting or disinhabiting, and that head would start to rot. It is a spell-like ability. Spell-like abilities in this field have a 50% failure chance. Every round that you are active in this field, you will have to roll a 50% failure chance to be disgorged from the head, at which point it will begin to rot. I'm going to roll that percent out right now then. Mm-hmm. That is a seven. <sighs> that is a failure. So your wisp, feeble, distant, like a firefly, exits the Vortrap head. And as it does, you see it begin to wither ever so slightly. I would like you to roll me a constitution saving throw to determine how long it will last before you can re-enter. That is a 19 for constitution saving throw. Excellent. Uh, That will last four turns. All right. Well, I'm paralyzed, so I can't talk, but um, help. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Next in the line is Panikos. 
Pen begins to visibly panic, reaching for anything that might help. She pulls a stone from the pocket of her skirt. Her eyes flash moonstone, and she invokes the Gesh of the Moon Dragon to use her breath weapon. Ooh, okay. Oh, Jesus. What was your, uh, your Gesh for this one? Um, it currently has 10 points on it. Good God. Okay, yeah. Then that would be a breath weapon. You can position yourself that you won't hurt the child unless you want to. No, just the Rakshasa for now. Okay, cool. Then that will be 10d8 damage, uh, and he will make a, I believe, charisma saving throw? Yeah, I think that's right. He does have advantage, but that only gives him a 15. Ooh. I have a 16. Oh, 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 Jesus. Mm. The juice. Y'all are beating it by just one. (laughs) If it helps, the charisma saving throw for his uh, Blood of the New Moon is uh, 18. Okay, yeah. I'm I'm not saying I'm beating it or anywhere near one. (laughs) That is 35 points of damage as radiant moonlight blasts from Pentecost's mouth. It has no immunities to this. It has no resistances to this. As the moonlight shreds its skin, exposing the pulsating red flesh underneath, it falters. Only a little bit. Exactly enough for Falric to activate his reaction. The child's eyes open ever so slightly wider and begin to glow a sickening eldritch blue, and all of you feel a sense of death. Mordieu. The Rakshasa falls dead instantaneously and begins to rot ever so slightly, eyes melting into rivulets of sick goo, teeth cracking and breaking until it falls to dust. Penny, Gaspar, and Hal, I'd like you all to roll me either Arcana or Religion. Nine. I also roll a nine. Hey. Ten minus one. Nine, we get a jackpot. Thirteen. Mm, that's enough. You haven't seen anybody do it before. At least not a mortal. You've just heard a power word to kill. And the word you heard is a common one. It's the abyssal word for death. Falric gently drifts to the ground as the hand holding him decays. What is the status of the red mist? The red mist has dissolved. And those affected by it? You are okay. Unharmed. Uh Gaspar is going to clatter for his crossbow. Understand what that child said. It's not that he doesn't know what happened to Ayavos, nor that he couldn't do it. Help him now. I was going to say, are we still in initiative? Or If you choose to still be in initiative, you're in initiative. Are you intending to harm the child? I think that with the, just what you're talking about, like a molecular level of fear mm-hmm. of death, Like, it would be a reaction to clatter for a weapon and fight for life. As the final remains of the Rakshasa turn to the ash from whence it came, those of you still alive realize that the sense of dread and death increased with the death of the creature. Yeah. So, probably with the shakiest hand you've ever seen Gaspar have trying to point the crossbow at him, he's not going to fire it, but it's just... It's a natural instinct. Please, please help him. Hal's going to do two things on his turn. I'm going to try my healing hands, Asamar ability to try and heal Ayavos. Sure. Which would give him 
my level in HP. So eight hit points. He is unharmed. And as soon as you touch him, you can see that. In fact, now that the immediate threat is gone, at least so far as you think, you see that the blood on him is not his own. It is simply a paste of herbs and other substances mixed in with blood. He is anointed for some kind of ritual. Okay. But the feeling of dread increased after the Rakshasa died? It, in fact, seems to be increasing with every passing moment. Then the other thing that Hal does on his turn is push my panic button on my bracelet. <gasps> oh, shit. Oh! <laughs> Ooh, I like that. The child, now standing on its own two feet, brushes the dust of the dead Rakshasa off of its body. <sighs> Thanks for the save. I appreciate it. Uh oh. <laughs> Didn't, uh, wasn't planning on this. Well, see you later, I guess. He gestures his cloak, and as he does, you see a kind of green energy whisper out from it. As he tries to cast Plane Shift and simply disappear into the ether, he realizes suddenly that this place has an incredibly powerful anti conjuration field. And instead of cutting through the fabric of reality, his cloak simply generates an electrostatic shock, and he pulls his hand back from it. God damn it. Well, um, you did me a good turn, so I will do the same for you. I won't kill you, but I will rescind that offer if you follow me. Fair enough? Uh, sure, but... What happens to Iavos? Who are you? (laughs) (laughs) I'm his coach. He face-shifted into the astral. I'm sure he's there somewhere. You like Sivan? Sure. Wusha, still lying on the ground, not having stood up after he was paralyzed, raises a hand up and says, Uh, what'd you do to him? I've got about 98 more seconds. I'm not here to answer your questions. Good luck with everything you do. Um, He walks over to a desk and quickly jots something down and then turns to walk away. What do we do about Iavos? Mm, figure it out. Or he will. I'm sure he will. And as he finally steps away, he says, some people aren't meant for the materium. You hear a door close. And then seconds later, it slams open again. I look at what he wrote down on the paper. It is in a language you cannot read. I grab a wet starfish off of Wusha and wring it out over Iavos's face to try and wake him up. As you try to wring out the starfish, it tears in half because it is a creature of flesh. <laughs> Strange ichor pours over his face. Can any of you read this writing? Who here is proficient in Arcana? Not this guy. Roll it. I'm trained in Arcana as well. Pin, I barely read common on the best of days. 16. 18. Both of you immediately recognize it as an arcane cipher. You also know it would take you at least an hour to decipher it. We, we, we don't have time to do this, do we? Hallet. Alvis is still breathing. The body is dead, but it is not rotting. There is life in the veins, but nothing inside. Ah, uh, he's in some sort of a stasis. He, he, the, 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 the child, he's, he said that Iavos was in the astral. Is he tethered? Can I get a perception check from everybody? Ten. Sucks. Six. Critical, so a 24, baby. Beautiful. Wusha, your ears 
I guess, <laughs> are somehow capable of picking up the very faint, faint words. Living room clear, moving to hallway. I uh, think we got guests. As I pull myself up to my feet and go to try to like barricade or bar the door to this room, not knowing what the panic button is or what's happening or who said those. <laughs> Uh, actually, no, I pushed the panic button. It's probably... As soon as you say that, the door is simply shoved open, regardless of your presence, as if you were just something clinging to the outside of it. In steps, four people, all of them wearing mirror masks, and you recognize them as antiheroes. They are all holding weapons aloft. Every single one of them seems to be radiating with magical energy as though spells have been cast on them, and all of their weapons seem also to have spells cast on them. Gaspar is going to attempt to sleight of hand the written note. Hit me. That is a 26. You're very lucky. (laughs) (laughs) Did I get the one? Did I get the plus one? Uh, They got shit. So you're good. You're good. Uh, As he does this, Hal will uh, breathlessly... There was a rock saucer in the room and our office is unconscious and his coach was in here and he's a weird kid and he used a power word kill and now he's dead and then he walked out of the room and he told us that if he followed him then he was going to kill us and he didn't and but he left right before you showed up. I didn't realize Hal worshipped a rap god. <laughs> <laughs> One of the antiheroes steps forward while the other three step to each of you ready to do what they need to do if you're the threat. The one that moves forward kneels before the Rakshasa, sticks their hand into the ash and pulls up a small glowing amorphous matter, something like a gelatinous substance that is gently flaming with purple fire. It kind of turns its head slightly. Tiger secure. Target missing. Level 20. Staring into the mirrored helmet in front of her, Penikos is met by a reflection that looks more scared than this version of Penny has ever looked. Can you help our friend? A mirror mask turns towards you. Shrug. Not our job. Well, then what good are you? That, that's not really the sort of help that anti-heroes provide. Why did you press the panic button? Uh, there was a Rakshasa in our room, and then uh, the kid with the dead eyes and the, the death words was here, and then I felt more scared than I did of the demon general that he had just ended. Fair. And that all seemed very wrong. In this instance, you probably won't be penalized for using your panic button in a non-Axis situation. Well, that's good. I didn't realize I was only allowed to use it in Axis situations. Hal makes a note in a little book. (laughs) (laughs) We came at the power would kill. He tried to to, to do a little uh, cheeky teleport. Uh, but it didn't work, and he left on foot. And I, uh, did you pass him on the way in? No. <sighs> Sit tight. Watch the body. How sits? <laughs> Womp. Magic and parkour, the deadliest combination. <laughs> <laughs> He's a parkour mancer. <laughs> All but one of the antiheroes leaves, and you are left in the room of your friend with his disensouled body. Wusha looks toward the anti-hero and then looks back at everybody else and says, those bastards peck a wallop. They shoved me out the door like I was nothing. Oh, I have a 
more pressing and important question for everybody here than what they can and can't do. Um, we've been picking up on a little pattern. The fuck did y'all do to cats? (laughs) (laughs) What? Look, there's that one cat, what we meant in Kenuit. It was rude to us. Now this cat, right here, trying to tear us open. This was hardly a cat, and, well, neither is Gilder, really. As much as I would love to entertain this conversation, I've been told not to speak while authorities are around by my lawyers. Oh, all right. Smart. Suppose you're right. Didn't try to do anything to us, really. We didn't need to. Oh, should I be scared? More scared than I already am? Not while I'm here. Says the anti-hero. Oh, thanks, strange man. So, how do normal people get to the astral? Is there is there a way we can go find Iavos? You hear footsteps in the hallway. Normally, you would simply go to sleep. Normal people, anyway. Sorry, Ben. You see Rain standing in the doorway. Rain thinks you've gone a bit tits up. I see that. We've got a problem now, but that's not for you to solve. Uh, I'd rather you take care of this. She nods towards the Avos. Uh, how? You've got people working on it. I don't think Falric will be back for any of you. He's not one to um, worry about loose ends. Pen kneels next to Iavos and takes his hand in hers. There's nothing there. It's like meat. Rain, can I ask why Iavos' coach was a preteen boy who knows ninth-level spills? Forex in the home was, is, not a child. Hasn't been in a long time. What we do know about him is that he is old, older than most. He discovered the notion of the lich in his studies, in his first lifetime but found them distasteful and did not find any desire to be undead and realized the corruptive effect of it would compromise his ability to learn. So, instead, he occupied a new body. And then another, and then another. We don't know how many or for how long, but we do know that he is very old and very strong. So he's using... Another living being, like a soul cage. Sort of. That's... I can't fathom that. He starts by devouring the soul, meaning that boy that you saw is long gone. And, unfortunately, he gains all the power of that soul, all of its potential. But he's capped out because he is mortal, and everything he occupies has to be mortal, so he can only ever get so strong... Unless he gets smarter, which is definitely a risk. But he's not your concern anymore. Like, uh, like the worst puppet show. Exactly. I used to like puppet shows. Did he give you any indication as to where he might be going? Um, oh, uh, he said if we follow him, then he'll, uh, kill us. So no. Fair enough. Look, sit tight. Enjoy your time. Do what you can to relax. Understand that if Yavos was dead, his body wouldn't be functioning. He's done this before. Once before. 
and admittedly during that time he was gone for 50 plus years, so we don't know how long he'll be gone this time. But we found him once, and I'm sure we can find him again. With that simple instruction, Wuxia will walk over toward the bed that Ayavo sleeps on and grab what I imagine to be his thin but functional blanket, drape it over him and say, well, out of sight, out of mind. (laughs) (laughs) Gaspar, I have an unusual idea. If Ayavos' body does not currently house his soul, are you perhaps able to get in his head and figure out his location? As long as you think that Ayavos' soul will no longer need that vessel, there will be degradation. Uh, That's unfortunate. I know he's not fond of this body, but it's, it's where he keeps his thoughts, so... Rain turns to the antihero, whispers something to them, and then the antihero's gone. (laughs) Like, leaves or is just gone? Is gone. Okay. Gaspar is then going to take out the uh, scribbled arcane cipher uh, and give it to Rain. We don't know whether or not this is a solution to bring back Ayavos or a trap that he has left behind for you to follow. Well, appreciated. I only wish I knew anything about magic. Well, this level of magic anyway. I can give it to our people. I'll be back. She turns and leaves. With you all just waiting. Man, I bet I almost could decipher that in like ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Rain. Pen hugs Iovos's arm to her chest, touching the backs of his fingers to her lips, and stays there. Hal puts uh, a... a- can of soup in the prestidigitator and comes back with some warm soup. Which <laughs> just seems like the thing to do while we're waiting for Iavos. Uh, assuming Iavos was covered in a bunch of unguents and things to prepare him for a ritual, are there any other ritualistic paraphernalia around for me to investigate? There are some candles lit, um, but not much. And a lot of it seems, at first glance anyway, not to necessarily be powerfully arcane, just Normal components, like a normal ritual. And nothing in writing. No, no, no tome left behind. Not that you can see. Where's Opus? Opus is not there. Gaspar is going to be searching for Opus. Gotcha. Hal's going to go through Iavos's stuff, knowing that there's a thing that you can snap that makes a smell that wakes people up when they're sleeping. After shoving two cinnamon sticks into his that's nose, exactly, you realize that nothing happens. <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say. I rolled for medicine. I got a 10. <laughs> so I probably pick up a cinnamon stick and I snap it under his nose and then I sniff it. And I go, oh, wait, no, that's cinnamon. What delightful. <laughs> I drop it in my soup and I continue. <laughs> it is 20 minutes, only 20 minutes before rain returns breathlessly. We've located him. He's in the axis. Oh, Yavos. Yes. Good. <laughs> you fucking asshole. <laughs> we don't know why he's there, but that's exactly where his soul is. We had assumed that perhaps it had gone somewhere else in the Astrum, but it is right here. What are we waiting for? We have some questions. Like, how are we going to get him? And how quickly can we get there? You are welcome to enter the access, but the question is, how are you going to do it? Will we be scrying this for you? Or would you like to go? On your own. 
we leave this to you. Now look, this could be dramatic. It could be a, a reunion story for the ages. It could be, uh, uh, I don't know, some sort of redemption arc. I'm not quite sure what that means, but it could be one. I want to give you a fair warning. We have no idea what's inside. Our mediums can see nothing. We don't know what kind of creatures it is, what kind of level it is. This dungeon will be totally dark for us. If you go in and you don't have the support of your fans, you could be in some very serious danger. Yes, I agree. Penn's eyes flash green momentarily. And I want the Quinn. Hal shrugs. Everything is content. You will be limited in your magical items, but you will have use of your glory. The fans are going to love this. As Gaspar squeezes his gloved hand, hoping for a response from Ayavos. Rusty, my gutsies are on fire. I think all my teeth are loose. Yes, Dirk, I'm feeling it all too. Even my deep folk constitution is no match for this invisible foe. My blankets are soaked with sweat, and now I can't get them off. Uh, I think I'm pooping. I can't tell if I'm pooping, Rusty. Rusty, you gotta check to see if I'm pooping. I have nothing left to void. I've purged my body of every spare fluid with a force these human toilets were not prepared for. Rusty, I'm scared. Are we gonna die? As sweet as that sounds, the Yora experts have assured us this will pass. And once the medication finishes running its course, we will be back to normal. Until then. I don't want to kick the bucket launching rotten hot dog juice until I turn inside out. Hold my hand. Don't touch me, Dirk. Let me just grip your comforting forearm then. Wow, so muscular and damp. It's like a horse's leg dipped in olive oil. Gross. I don't have the strength for this, Dirk. Just rest, sweet lad. Let Dr. Dirk mop your juicy brow. Dirk, stay in your own bed. Here comes the best friend comfort train. Next stop, gentle stroking. Dirk, get away from me. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, no. All these gentle gestures of affection have caused a tremor in my torso. I think I'm gonna yarts. Or maybe squirts! Get back in your own bed. Nurse! Nurse! Forgive me! We're about to witness a planar phenomenon. A keyhole between worlds that only marketing can penetrate. Join me as we glimpse into the adverse. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing 
to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Mindy, I'll race you home for a bowl of cereal. You'll never beat me. Three, two, one, go. Oh, no, we've been caught in a sticky web. Who could have done this? <laughs> it's Crunchy the Edder Cap. You're trying to stop us from getting to our delicious Edder Cap Crunch, aren't you? That's okay. We have plenty for everyone. Edder Cap Crunch, made from real corn, pure cane sugar, and of course, delicious gooey spider eggs. Part of a well-balanced breakfast. Check us out on the web. Hey, all you cuties. All's fair and love in mid-roll. I'm going to make this a very short one this week because I am very sick. In fact, the reason I wrote the meta with the narrative of Dirk and Warren being sick is because me and Zach are both very sick. And it just made sense. I don't have a lot of brains or energy, so I'll just remind you to check out the LUQ.com. The cast bios have information and links for each of the cast members. The links to the merch page have all of our newest products. And most importantly, the links to the Patreon can guide you to rewards beyond your wildest dreams. And by that, I mean lots of LUQ bonus content and cool gaming files. The legendary mid-roll teams are the Titans Rise, the Ceaseless Horde, this week's featured team, the Twilight Concord, with Maisie, Mike Gordon, and Big Boy Roy. For advertising opportunities or personal messages, contact admin at slapdashstudios.com. Follow us at twitch.tv forward slash slapdash streams for Monday Night Live premieres of the LUQ, Pokemon Soul Link Nuzlocks and Penny Plays during the week, and so much more. We're very excited to get back to the main story and can't wait to share the rest of this chapter with all of our amazing fans. So thank you for everything. But that's enough out of me. Let's get you back to the battle axis. Hello there, I'm Augustus Chipman, CEO of Enchipment Tater Flakes, the most beloved and addictive brand of potato-based snacking flakes in history. We've always been a one-track company, one product, one flavor, best quality. But in so many words, the new investors seem to think it's time to refresh the brand and entice a new younger audience. And that is an argument that I lost. So getting right to it, announcing the newest flavors of Enchipment Tater Flakes. Enchipment Trail Chili Barbecue Pie. Cowboy up with these bold western bean-tasting tater flakes. Perfect for the dusty trail or your dusty couch. Enchipment Lavender Citrus Lady Flakes. Potato flakes for ladies. Half the grease and twice the price. They're a girl's best friend. Enchipment Elk Shrapnel Tater Flakes. The unique and chewy flavor of exploded wildlife flash cooked on impact and mixed with the flakiest of taters and the rockiest of salts. Enchipment Block Chippers. Garlic laxative chips to keep your business on the move. Scrape your walls with the power of tater flakes. And the Enchipment Chips Athesius. A cutting-edge self-regenerating bag of chips that you can empty completely, and the next day it will be the same bag of chips all over again. Or maybe a brand new one. Depends on how you think about it. But I'm no philosopher, I'm a chipman. And flakes are my game. So welcome to the future of Enchipment. You can't eat just one. Normally, when you face your fear and step into the void of the axis, it's a membrane of dimensional magic that greets you. A threshold of temporal film. You penetrate, 
at the cost of existing in a new place. But this time, it's different. The audience can't see it. You can't even see it. But you feel it. You'll remember this feeling for the rest of your lives. You do not pierce a flesh of the beyond. You pass through it. You are sifted. Your atoms run through a mesh. Infinite bisections. A filter for living flesh, beyond which only the soul of dreams can pass. The perfect silence is instantly maddening. You feel that dreamlike weakness we all resent. Inability to clench a fist. The need to yell but no voice answers the call. The endless threat of falling, forcing you to keep your feet. The world builds itself around you. Part of you feels like you're the architect of this design, but powerless in the drafting. Metacognitive spectation of the birth of a tiny universe. A landscape of gray, ripped from the drafting sketchbook of a young art student training in charcoals. Your fingertips feel sticky as the grain collects between the cracks of your skin. You don't find your footing. You simply recall the sensation of standing. An open field and a long, endless corridor, somehow transposed over one another. Each distant mountain a doorway, each smeared cloud a window, fields of pointillism grass as a carpet. It doesn't make sense, but that's all there is. And slowly but surely, you are yourselves. You too have been stripped of all color, washed away like dirt. The concept of vibrancy itself seems a strange memory. Pen is on edge immediately. I, I'm not supp- I don't think I'm supposed to be in places like this. I uh, know what you mean. I've been wrung dry before, but uh, never took watercolor so literally. Pen, how does it feel to dream for once? <laughs> for twice, I suppose. You don't feel like you're here at all. As you exist, you feel like a metal object pulled to the extreme of a container by a magnet beyond sight and feeling, as though yourself, or what you think of as self, wants desperately to get back to its source, to find home, to be with the rest of you. And every second you are away from it, feels like you are constantly being dragged and pulled and stretched. It's subtle, but as you look at each other, there are minor changes from how you normally present yourself. Hal seems a little broader of chest. His hair seems to slightly be flowing in the wind, as though an idolized version. Gaspar seems to be cloaked in shadows, constantly looking away, always on the corner of your vision. Wuxia is almost larger than life. He seems to emanate the sound of the ocean, the smell of the waves, and Pentecost is a mystery, as though you can only perceive half of her at a time, the other half blurred out by your own mind's perception. Perhaps this is how Iavo sees you. Uh, I feel disconnected from, from myself. It's hard to explain. It's extremely disconcerting. I've got a lot of extra me if you want to borrow some. <laughs> Even as the emotions come to the forefront of your mind, they seem to turn transparent. You act them, you know you feel them, but they're not there. 
like pretending. I don't feel like myself. I don't feel like Pen. Um, Pen is is sunshine, and I am I am her shadow. I'm. I feel, but I I'm not sure. I I really feel. I I, I feel like a like a piece of fiction. A shadowy gas bar in the corner of your eye. Not where he actually is. Will whisper to you. Now you've had a taste of what I have to live with. Actual Gaspar will say, that must be terrible. Where are we? This, he doesn't, where do you think we are? We've all got a, a Iavo skin applied right now. Maybe his plane doesn't have color yet. Well, it looks like we're in a storybook. Though you remember there were some uh, folk on some of the ship that would bring them aboard and talk to the crew, and every once in a while they'd open them up and there'd be big pictures that kind of look and felt like this. I really like those. Penny could figure this out. Will, should we advance? Uh, this feels like a dungeon, I guess. It feels like a foyer. Hal, lead the way. Other than Iavos, you're our biggest dreamer. All right. Uh, I guess we'll go this way. You cast aside the illusion of chosen direction. You simply set yourself forward. Walking, if you can call it that. It feels like descending into a dense cloud. But the angle is not affected. The fantastic engineering of legs propelling you forward is absent. You just drift. Scale loses meaning. While the corridor of nature keeps going, you sometimes swerve to avoid towering blades of grass, and other times step carefully over mountain ranges. The shapes of the clouds seem to warp and evolve as you progress. It seems almost like they're following you, looking down in curiosity. Remembering Roke 43, Hal's going to give those clouds a bit of a scrutinous eye real quick. Just, you know what? Roll me a perception check. <laughs> give, me, give him a harsh glare. Six. There's more in the sky than just the clouds. It almost seems like they're facsimiles of clouds, but representing something more intense, something with power. Usha is going to see if he can drift on his back, laying down, pretending to swim instead of walking. Hmm. As you lay down to try to get that feeling of buoyancy that comes with holding in air on the water, you immediately fall into a habitual dreaming state of falling into the ocean, deeper and deeper and deeper. Wusha simply lays down to all of you, looks up and catches his breath and struggles back to his feet, panicking from the abyss below him. And for a brief instant, it felt like home. Oh, oh. No, I know that maybe with everything we've done before, this might not mean a lot, but um, this place is fucking weird. Ooh. I uh, don't suggest laying down unless you want to go for a mind swim. What you looking at, Hal? That just sounds awful. I, I, swimming is great, but a mind swim just seems like the worst possible activity. Hal's mind ocean is very shallow. <laughs> <laughs> they call me shallow Hal. 
no. Leah uh, wouldn't suggest it for anybody or everybody. You done it before, though. And kind of feel nice. Does does it feel like to anyone that we're really making any progress? It, it seems like we're just walking. We certainly don't have a destination. Shouldn't we just enjoy the journey then? I've never been in a in a dungeon where the hallway just keeps going forever. No, I've I've existed in three dimensions. I've existed in more, but this is beyond comprehension. Perhaps we need to travel with the intention of finding Iavos. Iavos, you here? Anywhere? Hello, hello, hello. I'll have everyone roll me a perception check now that you're more on the observation. Not me. <laughs> Zach almost rolled a perception check. Almost got you. 13. I also rolled a 13. I've been doubling up all day. Very strange. Natural 20. Ooh. Ooh. 19. Wow. All right. As you call out Iobos's name, it seems to just barely change the landscape around you. That mountain range is perhaps further than it was. There's a tree where it wasn't before. The path behind you doesn't look like the terrain you've already crossed over. But the biggest change is the clouds seem to move in. Gaspar and Wusha are the first to notice. As you peer up, curiously, inspecting one of the clouds that seems strangely low in the sky, you can see through the veil of celestial cotton an image coming into view. A peephole to a different place with a scene playing out in real time. A window to a past dream. A young boy wanders alone by a dried-up stream, his hands buried in his pockets, his face a mess, his clothes caked in filth. He looks back over his shoulder to see the silhouette of a farmhouse far in the distance. Behind him, his pale gray skin in sharp contrast to the dark, dry earth below his feet. He is weeping, a confused farewell. Another cloud reveals the same child. Though difficult to tell if he's younger or older, he sits in the corner reading a book. It's almost as large as he is. As he reads the words and laughs, he scribbles images in the margins with a leaky ink pen. A shout catches his attention, and a look of guilt washes over his face. The child tiptoes through a small dark house. The sound of his family sleeping combats the creak of the old floorboards. His gray skin makes him stand out against the shadows. But with great pride, he creeps in near silence to an old homemade dresser. He slowly eases out the bottom drawer, and losing his composure, eagerly moves aside some garments to reveal a small shoebox. Placing it in his lap, he opens the lid excitedly, only to look down in fear. A tiny toad lays belly up, its dry skin with a sheen of white over its eyes. The boy sobs. The tears meld to a scene where the boy is held in the lap of a woman, a flower-dusted apron around her waist. A large gash runs down his leg, but her soft song and careful hands begin to patch the wound and stagger his gasping tears. He is exhausted. The boy stands, leg bound in gauze, looking at the shed behind his home. He watches silently, as a shadow cast by a large man strides into view. A spotted deer is draped over its shoulder, an arrow through its neck, 
The shadow hangs the corpse on a hook and produces a curved knife from a wide leather belt. The boy watches as the skin is flayed and the blood is drained. The wasps gather. The boy sits at a small family table with two others. A young girl with braided brandy hair to his left, and a tall boy, almost a man, with straw blonde hair to his right. Tiny stones are arranged on the table as they play a game. The oldest boy flips his yellow scarf over his shoulder, scoops up a pair of dice and tosses them with a skilled hand. The three look down at the numbers, and he laughs as he scoops all of the stones towards himself, giving him a vastly larger pile. The young boy pouts and crosses his arms while the young girl shakes her finger at the young man, seeming to scold him, but he just tilts his head back and laughs. The boy pulls weeds, hands bleeding from the sharp fibers, his brow soaked in sweat, crawling on his hands and knees working himself into a stupor. His hand brushes against a large, cold stone, and he looks up in shock, having lost himself in the work. He has made his way into the shade of a large willow tree. The stone is embedded into the earth between the roots. Carved into it is the number three. As he looks upon it, he goes quiet, and then a smile spreads across his face. His lips whisper the shape of the word, Hello. A raven pecks at a dry old post. A desperate act. Its midnight feathers are frayed and seem to hang limply off of its thin frame. It looks up at the sun, stronger and drier each day. The landscape is near barren. The raven decides it has had enough and simply falls off the post, never to scavenge again. The boy looks up from his work, digging into the soil, trying to find the dark, moist earth and bring it to the surface to house the seeds in his pocket. He pulls out a small knife and carves a line into the handle of his shovel. There are now twelve. You become lost in these images. The way your mind drifts through these scenes pushes the concept of time moving to the back of your minds. The landscape is changing, yet always the same as the clouds look down on you. The other's too far to see. Is... That Iavos? The boy. He looks familiar. Normally I would say, how many gray-skinned youths do you know? But here I imagine it's all of them. So, I'm not sure. I feel like I just lived 12 lifetimes. Anybody feel tired and heavy? I feel weightless. Suppose that makes sense. Suddenly, floating's not the only thing I want to do here. Wish I could reach in, give that boy what he needs. If anyone could wet the earth, it'd be me. I don't normally trust the dreams of other people. They could be anything. They could be the version that they want. So, do you think that these are not... Real things, but maybe how he imagines they were. But in this case, the Zayavas we're talking about, from what he has stated, this is what he has lived. I don't think that these are just dreams. These are truths. Just because something didn't happen doesn't mean it's not true. Does the inverse work as well? I believe so. 
Was it our intent that brought these images? I don't know why you're looking at me. This whole thing's a bit over my head. Uh, it seems like that did something, but I'm not sure it did what we wanted it to, and I don't know that we're any closer to finding ours. This dungeon seems a little, uh, Hal taps his head, a little brainy for me. As you discuss these things, you've been wandering, drifting, if anything, pretending direction is a thing you have control over, feigning at a known path, and you hear a gentle whistling sound on the wind, something falling from far away. A tiny dark shape stands out in the sky and drops into a far-off bush. The leaves begin shaking. How will approach and inspect the bush? As you part the charcoal gray leaves, you see something new. Something real. An object that lies before you. Though it's small, it stands out in its actuality on the vast scape of faded gray imagination. Despite its small size, the realness of it is almost imposing. Confounding. As the group surrounds it and looks down, you all see a book, a black cover stitched with thick thread, full of dog ears, bookmarks, and pieces of notes. As you look down on it, uncertain of what to make of it, an eye in the center of the cover snaps open to look up at you. A long ribbon tongue sways back and forth, and the pages purr in satisfaction. It is unmistakable. Opus. Cast aside. Forgotten and alone. That is, until you entered the world of dreams. Rusty. Rusty. Wow. You're really asleep. Huh. Huh, that's good. The doctors say we have to eat if we want to get better. But we can't keep anything down. Well, don't you worry, pal. Old Dr. Dirk has just the cure. We can end this how it started. With this dice dog, I squirreled away for an emergency. The way I see it, these little bacteria guys count on us for hosts. We're basically parents now. And you're going to be an amazing dad, Rusty. Mmm. 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 So cold and sour. How could something so good be so evil? Mmm. Don't worry, pal. I'll shoot some up for you and Mama bird it to you while you're sleeping. Everything's gonna be fine. Nobody's ever ready for the commitment of having a billion virus babies. But with you on my side, I think we can make it through anything. Alright, open up, buddy. <laughs> I miss I miss your DMing. I found Opus so much. <laughs> I found it. I was glad you were looking early. I'm like, yeah, you're gonna find him. Brain yeah. quest for hidden Iavos. Let's Brain go. Brain quest. Is that the end? I've got heart zest for this so good. <laughs> I was so engaged that I just tuned out all time. It's true. I feel the same way 
Like, I just want to sit back and listen to listen to law stories all day. Well, if it weren't for your thoughtful reactions, that would have run a little too short. So thank you for filling that and uh, being taking taking the bait, taking the, the scene. I always take the bait. I think that's the first <laughs> time anybody's called Wusha thoughtful. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's outro time, right? That's what we're doing. Yeah. We're already there. Yeah, baby. Hell this yeah. is it. Buddy, baby, baby, buddy, boy. Holy crap. Uh, let's go around the table and hear some fucking uh, favorite moments. Some favy momo. Favy momo. Favy momos. I don't like that. Favmo. I like Favmo. I like I like Favmo Hi, more Favmo. than Favmo. Favmo. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like some like government form you have to fill out like FAFSA. Oh, God. oh yeah, the Favmo. I need I need Favmo nineteen A. <laughs> you have to tell the truth or they won't give you money. <laughs> what was my favorite? I'd say moment. my favorite is the uh, manifestation of dread for most of us because right we're playing characters that are supernatural. And when you have something that just goes, okay, I'm gonna cut that string real quick. You just plop. That was fucking brutal. Oh, yeah, like, oh, decimated we, us. We're actually, it's actually a weakness. It's like, yeah, playing badasses hum- and then being humbled by a real threat is like, yeah. ah, yes. <laughs> it's like, oh, what makes you a badass? We got mortaled. All I did was just be like, if you are magical in nature. I <laughs> almost <laughs> got the best coach he could get. <laughs> I appreciate that fuck around and find out moment there, Zach. Yeah. Well. <laughs> oh, I can I just say my favorite was the fact that you guys bothered to attack the Rakshasa. I was like, <laughs> they are either not going to, like, Angelo set the tone, was like, I'm not going to attack him. I'm like, okay, cool. That's totally fine. And then everybody else is like, I'm going to attack him. Oh, I, <laughs> yeah. I decided that <clears throat> as soon as we entered on that scene, because, like, Penn doesn't know these fucking people. This is the scene it opens to. I'm like, I'm picking one of them to attack. I had an outcome for any of the obvious eventualities, and I was ready for wh- whatever you guys wanted to do. Yeah, <laughs> I tried just... to explain why Gaspar was actually aiming the crossbow at the child, mm-hmm. and that's because of what he said. Yeah. He's like, it's not like... Like, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It, but, whereas a regular child would just be like, "What? what's going on? Like, scared. And he's also, it's like, he could have done it. Yeah. It sounded like a kid who was lying about <laughs> Those books are did. too advanced for her. <laughs> yeah. I just love the fact that none of you knew the coach. And so walking yeah. in, you're just like, a Rakshasa, a magic-eyed boy, and my dead friend all enter a bar, and I'm freaking out about right. it. <laughs> I, decided, I decided Hal's probably at least... Conceptually familiar with Rasha, 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 yeah, Shastas <laughs> with Rakshasa, Shachuka, uh, and um, <laughs> that was why he was like, "I need to focus on healing Iavos because I didn't do jack shit to this thing." I had actually intended to mention that each of your characters have experience with them except Wusha, yeah. um, and then I just completely forgot to do that because I got wrapped up into what was going on. Wusha yeah. hasn't seen him because cats don't like water. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> tigers, tigers are okay in water. Any other That's not, not ocean right. water. Any, any other favorite moments? <laughs> I have this perfect. I have this this perfect like Renaissance Italian old master chiaro scudo fucking image of Pen kneeling down next to like the the blanket draped unmoving body mm. of Iavos like yeah. cradling mm-hmm. his hand and that was that was a really strong image for me I fucking love that yeah same I mean I just love everything Law does as far as descriptions and character stuff it's all so juicy tender great I always try to tickle the heartstrings just a little bit mm-hmm. my heart mm-hmm. I uh 
I like the whole description leading into the charcoal world before the the other scenes. Like that was just very evocative to me. And then like the the presentation of that world. And like as you went around the table and described how each of the characters look, I'm like, oh, mine's going to be weird and I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) Have any of you drawn with charcoal on big like? Yeah. Yeah. I minored in fine art. Yeah, yeah. I was. I really. The first thing, like, just seeing something that looks like charcoal, making your fingers feel like they were sticky at the tip. That mm-hmm. was a sensory thing I had to go for. Oh, also, just it's... like the the eph- ephemeralness of charcoal, because um, when you do a charcoal drawing, you have to spray fixative on it, which is an adhesive to to get it to stay. Otherwise, you can blow on it, and it will, like, a lot of it will it's, fly away. It, it, I wanted it to feel very fragile and temporary. I'm not good at it, but it makes me happy. <laughs> you, you minored in fine art, and I minored for coal. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, so that the tone was totally not not right for it. But as the Rakshasa died, what ran through my head was two thumbs up, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just fun. It's fun for me to get to tell my little silly stories again. I like that. As yeah. much as I love, I, I love playing Iavos, and I love telling a nice emotional story. And this, I get to do both at the same time. Oh, I right. feel you. I, I, I love DMing. But silly I like stories playing. with Law, the part of the show where Law tells a silly story. <laughs> Just kidding. You're going to cry. I got to say, uh, Angela was on it with some fucking killer lines today. Like yeah. at least three times, I was like, "Fucking yeah!" yeah. Good, mm-hmm. good right. line mm-hmm. Dana had a couple too, where yeah. I, I couldn't, I couldn't get too excited because I don't want to spoil anything. But there were a few actually just around the table being like, "I'm glad you said that just now." <laughs> I'm going to be able to respond to this later. Oh, that's we're starting, great. We're starting to get too in sync to the point where we're all like kind of figuring out what everybody's doing and yeah. like mm-hmm. our our, mm-hmm. our thinkings. Pretty soon, our menstrual cycles will line up. Yeah. Yeah. Shit, I was going to say something. Uh, <laughs> menstrual cycles? Yeah. Okay. Yes. God damn it. Uh, I specifically liked setting it up so that you guys go ragdoll, and then the moment the power word kill happened, the Rakshasa just falls ragdoll. Ragdoll. Just drops to the ground, like like as if whatever thread was there was cut. Yeah, bigger fish, bigger fish, bigger fish. Yeah. Floor party. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so this has been absolutely fantastic. I'm really enjoying the shit out of this. I want to go around the table in case we didn't, uh, starting with... Ah, me. I am Michael Loving. I play Halifon Orson Jr. In this show, the fourth level crown, Oath of the Crown Paladin, fourth level Oath of the Ancestor Barbarian. Fourth level crown, fourth level royal. Yep, fourth level <laughs> crown, fourth <laughs> level royal. The Rock Shasta of whiskeys. <laughs> I am Angela Klug. I play Gaspar Left Not, the uh, Phantom Rogue, Headless, and um, Ragdoll. The the Black Velvet of Hello. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> I'll take Crown. Okay, you get Johnny Walker Black. Thank you. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> My name is Max Hobbs. I play Wusha Brianchild, the Wandering Tide, who's a seventh level ranger, first level fighter, and I am the Grog of Whiskey. I was going to say you'd be an Isla Scotch. (laughs) I was was going to say. Just the water. Just peat and salt. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I am Dana Ebert. I play Pentecost, the level eight fawn warlock. And um, we are level eight, right? Yeah. Cool. (laughs) Not me. I'm dead. (laughs) (laughs) Disembody. And and yeah, great stuff. Uh, Penny is a bottle of Cazadores tequila. Well, it's got to be whiskey. The horns. It's got a deer on the cover, and she's a she's a she's yeah. a plural. Plurals are tequila. <laughs> yeah, Glenfiddich has a has a deer. It's true. So does a, the one that starts with a D. Either way, Jaeger. Anyway, yeah, it's full of surprises. Uh, I'm law. I'm DMing right now. 
Um, I usually play Iavos, but he's dead. And I am also the creative director of Slapdash. I'm Zach. I'm usually the dungeon boy, but I only have a boy this dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> you One almost have two boys. <laughs> One boy half. <laughs> Uh, Takes uh, me two trips to boy ass. <laughs> I want to hold on. I want to thank Sam Hedegar, the editor, for editing this episode. Bree didn't do any maps for us this time, but uh, she's still in our hearts. Uh, I really appreciate everybody for coming out here. Uh, hopefully, we saw some of you at Rose City Comic Con, and we had a good time with that. If yeah. not, you know, whatever. I don't. Sorry, it's not that big of a deal. Uh, <laughs> we don't blame you for not making the 10 a.m. show. No, nah, yeah. I'll cry. You watch a grown man cry. <laughs> Well, no, because they won't be there. Um, <laughs> anyway, thank you all for being here. Uh, we'll see you next time. And until then, we wish you luck. Hey.